You're listening to Design Your Life Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Franks, founder of the Female Coaching Society and Design Your Life, travel addict and lover of all things luxe. In this podcast, I'm bringing you weekly episodes to help inspire you to design a life you love and to show you that you really can have it all. If you're ready to start a freedom-based business online, then you're in the right spot. And if you'd like more information, please visit dylnow.com. Let's get started. Welcome to episode number 66 of Design Your Life podcast. This episode is a real treat and perfect if you have an interest in fashion or you're wanting to start a product-based business. I'm speaking with Christy Sumer, the founder of Encircled. Christy is a self-taught fashion designer and proof that all you need is an idea and a strong will to get your business going. And a little uh, insider information on yours truly, my grandparents actually owned a fashion company and it was called Mark One & Co. And they sold clothes up and down the East Coast. My aunts, my sis- my grandmother's sisters in Alabama would make the clothing. We would travel there to pick them up and we would drop them off and sell them to different boutiques up and down the East Coast. That is a fond memory that I have of my early childhood is being on the road with my grandparents selling these beautiful clothing. And I always said that if my grandparents had lived into my adult years, I probably would have went into fashion. And that is something that is near and dear to my heart because I've seen the inner workings of owning a fashion company and selling the products and what goes into making the products. So if that's you, if you have an interest in that and you have the talent for that and the will and the the desire for that, you are absolutely going to love this episode. We are talking about how you can start your business with very little capital, the fears that new business owners go through, and how you can find the courage to go for it. But before we dive in, I want to tell you about the sponsor of this episode. It's great to be able to jump on here, Christy, and talk to you and learn about what you're doing in your business. So to kind of get us going here... If you'll share a little bit about yourself and your business and what you're doing. Sure. Uh, so I'm Christy Sumer. I'm the founder and CEO of the ethical fashion brand Encircled. We're a line of sustainably made, uh, sweatshop-free, stylish, comfortable athleisure uh, that's based in Toronto, 100% made in Toronto as well. Um, I'm also a business coach as well. I have a podcast called Brave and Boss the Podcast for purpose-driven entrepreneurs um, and do some coaching through that as well. Awesome. So one question that I have, and I have heard of ethical fashion before, and the only reason why I even, I know that term, I don't really even know what that means. Um, But the only reason why I know that term is because of a girl that I grew up with went into fashion in college. And then when she got out, she actually started a company where she helps fashion designers and anybody in that industry source Mm -hmm. their ethically made products. Can you talk a little bit about what exactly that means for somebody that may have never heard of that term before? Yeah, absolutely. So there's many components that go into making an ethical fashion brand. It could be, like you mentioned, the type of materials that people are using. So like a brand could be 
sourcing only vegan materials that are cruelty free, or they could source uh, sustainable fabrics to make their clothing instead of, you know, some of the traditional petroleum-based ones like polyester, or it could be the fact that they're utilizing labor to make their clothing that's mm -hmm. fair trade or maybe based locally or something like that. So there's many different elements that go into it. Um, I would say that at Encircled, we try and like check the box on all of them because we don't want our customer to feel like they're compromising on something. So for me, it was really important to create clothing that is seasonless. So it's like, doesn't really go with the trends. It's something you can buy and invest in and then keep year over year and style and wear and wash and wear it well. And then also it's made with like sweatshop free labor. So all of our labor is based in Toronto. Everybody's fairly paid, has, you know, uh, working hour regulations and all that good stuff that keeps a happy, healthy workforce going. Um, and then we use only sustainable materials in our clothing. So we try and do something like we call it full circle fashion, whereby we're checking the boxes on all the elements of sustainability and responsible fashion. But if you're just getting started in ethical fashion, I mean, it's just really about that question about asking more questions about where your clothing is made and how. Because the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of clothing is still made in really deplorable working conditions. And a lot yeah. of fabrics are used that are not really great for the environment. And there's not a lot of regulations overseas around like uh, disposal of dyes and stuff like that. So you, there's a lot of like destruction environmentally that happens as well as around human rights in the fashion industry, unfortunately. And it's still something really prevalent today. And I think a lot of people have thought it's gone away, but it actually yeah. hasn't. It's actually getting worse with fast fashion. Yeah, I guess that was like one of the things that I just thought about was like when you're when you're out shopping, you're not really sitting there thinking, hmm, how is this article of clothing made or where exactly did it come from? And I think, you know, talking about this and this topic is also might be bringing up like making people a little bit more aware of um like you said like where things are made and how they're made. Um mm -hmm. And that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to just become more intentional, I think, about your fashion. Yeah, We're not asking yeah. people to become perfect with their closets. You know, it's almost near impossible, actually, because there's just not, um, in some areas of your wardrobe, there's just not sustainable replacements, or maybe there's no ethical brands doing that yet. But it's just about being more mindful about your consumption. And when you are shopping, to really think about, like, asking yourself those questions like do I really need it and if I do like how often will I wear it and yeah and I really believe in energy and like clothing that's made by people who aren't paid very well like there's an energy to that so oh, just yeah. about intention and how you can better align your values with your wardrobe yeah absolutely and it's like if we're going to be intentional about everything else in our lives if we're going to eat good you know do all of these things I'll say the mantras do the mindset work, we might as well, you know, do it with our wardrobe and things that are, are on our body every single day. Um, so you do make a really good point there. Um, how did you get started in this industry? Where did you, what was the beginning like for you? So I come from a pretty untraditional fashion background, being that I didn't go to fashion school at all. I actually did a finance degree after high school and then went on to do my MBA. And I'd really gone into business and I'd love marketing. And I was working in management consulting when I got the idea to start Encircled. And I thought I'd found my dream job because I'd always wanted to be a management consultant, which is a strange job to always want to be. But I <laughs> thought it was really cool that you could like travel around to like 
client sites and I was specializing in retail as well. So I really love that industry. And what was cool, I think for a little bit um, turned kind of uncool after a while, just because I was living out of a suitcase. I was flying every single week. I never saw my friends or family. And I was oftentimes working with retailers that didn't necessarily align with my values. And I was essentially helping them make more money. Um, So for me, I just had a product idea that came up one, literally one night as I was packing a bag for a yoga retreat that I was taking a break from work on. And my suitcase broke. And I started to really question all the stuff that I was bringing because I had to smoosh it all into a smaller bag um, because I was leaving in a few hours for the airport. And I started questioning, like, why was I bringing all this stuff? And why don't I have more things I can wear multiple different (laughs) ways that I don't have to bring as much stuff? And then I just instantly had this product idea. And that became eventually, after much trial and error, our Chrysalis Cardi, which we still have in our collection today. It's basically an eight in one piece that you can wear as like a dress, a cardigan, Mm. a tunic, a top. Um, And it was really all about traveling light. Um, doing it sustainably and making it responsible with responsible labor. And that just became how I launched the business. I was like, I got this product idea. I'm going to try it out and we'll see where it goes from here. Heck yeah. That's like when that's like one of the ways that like really good products are made or the idea for them are born is simply by something that you need. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid of, Oh, I have this great idea but are other people out there going to want that? And sometimes I feel like, well, that's, you know, if you want it, then that means that somebody out there wants it too. And it's, it's probably sellable. Cause I mean, I guess in every, most situations you are your own ideal client, right? So if somebody else, if you're having this problem, somebody else is having that same problem. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I love the idea of starting with like a problem and figuring out a solution. And if I definitely had discovered a pain point that I felt like, you know, there must be something out there that solves this. And then of course, like you're initially like, Oh, why hasn't somebody thought of this before? Uh, Might as well be me. Yeah. So then I was like, (laughs) well, either it's a really bad idea or it's a really great idea. And we're just going to have to find out through trying, you know? So I didn't quit my job immediately. I just kind of started it on the side just to test and learn and see if it would take off. And, and it did. Yeah. And I love that. Um, I kind of wrote down a note here when you were talking that said, um, from MBA to fashion, it's like, like a billboard or, you know, that you can put up with somebody that is, that has that MBA. They went to school for one thing and they don't necessarily like it. It wasn't, you know, what they thought it would be. And they have this idea of, oh my gosh, I want to be in fashion. I want to be an artist. I want to go do design. I want to go do something completely different And it's like hearing your story, that's such an inspiration, I think, for somebody out there that's, you know, maybe went the traditional path and they're sitting there wondering, how can I get out of this? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I can completely relate to that. So if if any of your listeners are going through that right now, I've been there. I mean, I quit my corporate job at the age of 34. So I was in like the prime of my career. I was making more money than ever. All my friends thought I was super successful. My parents were really proud of me. And I basically quit my job (laughs) to make cardigans and (laughs) multi-way garments, you know, much to their chagrin. Um, So it was a big shift, but it's proof that you don't need training in what you want to do in life. And really following your passion is important because at the end of the day, life is really short. So you want to spend it doing things that you love. 
Yeah, absolutely. Were people like, when you told them what you were going to do and what you were going to pivot to, were they freaked out for you or were they really supportive and excited? It was a definite mixed bag (laughs) for sure. (laughs) So I would say I had some friends who were like, um, oh, like, is that, oh, I thought that was a hobby. We're, you're going to do that. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Like they were like really not sure. Um, and then of course my parents were horrified. They were, they would not speak to me. My mom wouldn't speak to me for at least a month. My dad was like, I think about six months. Um, they come from very traditional, you know, my dad was a lawyer for like 40 years for the same firm. My mom was a teacher, you know, um, they're very traditional and they grew up very poor. So they were very worried for me, I think, and in most cases, and also kind of, I think, selfishly thinking that I was sabotaging my life and career. So they eventually came around, but it did take some time. And I think that's a big juncture point too, is that, you know, not everybody's going to support you. So, you know, if you are quitting your job and you've made that decision, get ready to be really stick to that decision. Cause it's easy to say, oh my gosh, it's so much easier just to go back and get a salary and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to be brave and you have to choose for yourself, not to choose to please other people. Yep. I think one of the things that's come up for me lately, especially as, you know, working with people that, and starting out, I teach them how to get their clients organically from using social media. And I I think it's, I got to remind people a lot because they're, they're brand new. They have this like big idea. They know they want to be a business owner. In my case, they're, they're coaches or consultants, Um, but they're, they're fresh. They're just, they haven't done this before and I'm giving them the steps and I have to remind them like, this is, this is, you have to be called to do this. This isn't something where you see, you know, a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are showing up online and you're just kind of dabbling in it. And it looks like you can make a lot of money. It's, it's sometimes not for the faint of heart. And I, I tell them that with love, but also understanding that you have to show up for your business every single day. And there are going to be people that aren't going to understand what you're doing. And in the, in the same sense, especially early on, um, there are going to be times where you need to do something in your business to get it going and getting it off the ground, which might mean that you have to say no to other things. Like in my case, it was, you know, I have a ton of girlfriends and they're all wanting to go out and they want to go do brunch and they want to go do this, but you know, I need to get my marketing ready for the week coming up and that kind of thing. And it's, I think it's, it's being okay with that and knowing that your calling is bigger and you got to do what you got to do and understanding that this, that's not always forever. I feel like, you know, people, as your success grows and as, you know, things start to, to shift and move, that expectation of um, what are people going to think or what is, what's everybody going to think? Am I going to fail? Or, you know, your parents or your family or friends saying, oh, you should have stuck with that day job. Um, I think it becomes less and less. Would you agree? Yeah, I would totally agree. One of the best pieces of advice I got pretty early on when I was deciding whether or not to quit my job was one of my good friends. She said, you know, you can always go back and nobody's going to judge you for that. You know, you may start to judge yourself, but you can always go back. And, and it's definitely, there was a period for sure where I didn't pay myself or I didn't pay myself well also for a very long time. And, 
you have to make those sacrifices. Like I, I've told the story before about this, um, maybe not on a podcast, but I remember um, most of my friends were very successful, very senior in their careers. So they wanted to go out for like a birthday dinner at this really nice restaurant. And I didn't want to miss out, but I was yeah. like, okay, I don't have a lot of money right now. <laughs> this is not a good situation, but I'll go. I'll just like have, I won't drink and I'll just like have an appetizer, you know, just yeah. so I can socialize. And I didn't tell anybody that I was struggling with money at that time. Um, I just assumed they knew because I'd quit my job, which is a dangerous assumption. And, you know, the bill comes, it's somebody's birthday and they're like, let's all split it. And it was like, everybody had been drinking. They'd had so much food. Mm. And I was like, it was like, the bill was like $150. And literally at that time I was paying myself zero and living off of what we call RSP refunds here in Canada, which is like um, your tax, your uh, 401k kind of similar thing. And I was like, so embarrassed. So I just paid it, but I knew I didn't have the money. And, you know, that kind of shame sat with me for a while. So I'm always very now from that experience, very conscious when I go into events like that of other people and other people not saying things depending on their circumstances. And I always posture myself now that I'm in a different situation to lead with generosity. So you know, a couple months ago, went out for a patio dinner with a couple of friends, and I knew one of them was struggling with money, and I knew she wouldn't say anything. So I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna get the bill my treat. And I just picked up the whole bill. Oh, because I, I just really believe that like that kind of energy is like good to put out there. Oh my and God, having yeah. that experience where I felt that money shame, you know, I wouldn't want yeah. somebody else to feel that too. So yeah. Um, that was a really big humbling lesson for me to go from making six figures in corporate to like zero. Yeah. Eye opening. Yeah. Like, I bet. Like, it's I bet. Not forever. You're right. Yeah. 100%. It's not. And um, I know like when we were um, kind of emailing back and forth earlier to get this podcast scheduled, one of the topics um, was how to start a company or a business with very little capital and, I do want to touch on that because I know that there are a lot of business owners or, or people that want to start a business that they do have this great big idea and they do know that they're called to do something or to change their life um, by going after a career or a job path that, they, that they've been dreaming of. And I think that there are there's a stigma about in order to start a business, you do have to have a lot of income. That's one of the things that my parents told me was if you want to start, you you know, you got to have the money to start. And I didn't have anything. Um, can you can you speak to that a little bit kind of about how how you got started and how somebody that does want to start a business but doesn't have very much coming in? What what can they do? Absolutely. So when I started Encircled, I basically had used the proceeds from um, selling my condo at the time that I owned um, and kind of put it into the business. I think it was about like twenty or $30,000 in total um, during the whole startup phase. Um, and so that that doesn't, it seems like a lot of money, but when you're producing products, that kind yeah. of money can go pretty quickly into inventory and product development and all that kind of stuff. So I knew that I had to be scrappy. Um, so I always give the advice to people to start slow and, you know, pick a product or a couple of products and start with that, especially in product-based businesses so that, you know, you can test the market. You can see what works, what doesn't work before you really double down. Um, the other thing I did was I did a lot of pre-orders. So almost like a Kickstarter model, I would go in and I would tell customers, you know, you can get this garment, but it's going to be delivered in three weeks. And because I was doing everything locally, I was basically producing to demand. So I was getting the money. I was 
funding the production with that money and then delivering it to customers. So that worked really well to help like bridge the cash flow. And then I'd say the last tip would be like having multiple streams of revenue. So I started a coaching business in 2014 when I quit my job because I was not paying myself out of Encircled, but I knew I could do coaching and help because I was doing consulting in corporate. So I took on a few clients. They didn't pay me super well, um, but it was money coming in and was income that, and I was learning a lot working with smaller businesses. So it was like really great to have that kind of side gig at that time. And that side gig business turned into something much bigger later on because I started to, I took a program called B-School by by Marie Forleo. So I started working with her part-time as a mentor coach. Um, So it really developed into something so much bigger, but I'm always a fan of having multiple income sources just when you're starting out. And it, and again, it depends on your risk tolerance. Like I find some people are totally okay with like jumping with no net, but if you're one of those (laughs) people who's nervous about it, (laughs) I'm the opposite. See, that's me. I will jump out of the plane without the backpack. If it means that it might take my business somewhere. Oh man. I need some of that from you (laughs) for sure. Cause I'm much more of a planner organizer. I love to have, you know, thing, my ducks in a row. So Um, I I think if you're like that, you just have to plan for that. And I don't think it takes a ton of money, you can do it really um, quite reasonably affordably, but it's it might require some compromise. So like you might not have the perfect website to go, but maybe it's good enough just to get your few first clients or whatnot. Like there's ways to do it and invest once you've got a client base kind of paying you and customers coming in the door. Yeah, there's a website called um, waybackmachine.com. And yes, I know it. <laughs> yeah, I've actually have gone on there and I've looked at Marie Forleo's website from when she first started. And it is insane. Like you can tell she probably did it herself. And yeah. it's just like sometimes, you know, I did that like early on when I was starting my business and it was good to look at you know, high name, you know, big name people and be able to literally see where they came from and how they started. Because I'm a big, um, a a big fan of utilizing your resources. And I feel like there's nothing that you can't Google. And so some of these people that are like, I need to hire somebody to do my website. I got to hire, you know, thousands of dollars for a photographer and, you know, all of these things before they feel like they can bring on a client. It's, it's a little bit different in my industry because it's, you know, it's a service base, but yours, um, you know, you do have to have product. You do have to, you know, get somebody to manufacture all of those things. So being able to utilize your resources and like you said, get scrappy and where you can do it yourself, you know, and I don't think, I mean, a website, you do want to look professional and be professional because what's the first thing that somebody's going to do when they find you is probably look you up and then they're going to go look for you on social media and, you know, try to devour all of your content and your information. But it doesn't have to be perfect. And nobody starts out perfect. I like to say that um, brain surgeons, brain surgeons aren't born knowing how to do brain surgery. They have to be taught how to do that. They have to, you know, take the baby steps to get there. And we all do. Everybody starts from ground zero. 
Yeah, totally. It's I love this podcast called How I Built This. Um, mm, yeah. And it interviews a lot of really successful entrepreneurs and talks about their startup stories. So whenever I'm feeling like I'm far behind or, you know, anything like that, I always encourage both my coaching clients and myself to listen to it because like you said, everybody's got to start somewhere. Like even McDonald's started in a totally oh different iteration, <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. like, it's very easy to look at somebody's 10 year journey um, and yeah. think, wow, I'm so far off of that, but like not realize everything that went into that and yeah. how you could be there too. If you just yeah. stay the course. Yeah, exactly. I love seeing those old pictures of like those big, big brands. Like I love the story of Spanx and seeing the house that she had all of her inventory in. And then that picture that has floated around the internet of Amazon where it's, you know, he's got Amazon written on like the old computer paper that was like stuck together and it was like taped to the wall and written in Sharpie. I love that. And I think it's a good reminder that you're not going to walk out the door and you're not going to be McDonald's or Walmart or Target or, you know, Gina DeVee or Tony Robbins or any of those people right out. That's not to say that you can't grow to be there. You're not, you're not destined to be that, but it's, I think it's being honest with yourself and knowing that you have to start somewhere. And the important thing is that you just start. Yeah, absolutely. Like just taking a few steps forward, even if they're like the babyest steps can be such a big progress win for anybody starting a business. And I think also trading services can be good too. So if like people are really struggling with like photography, maybe you can trade like, you know, your web design services or your coaching or something for that. Because just that idea that you have to come out of the gate and spend like $10,000 on a website, you know, $10,000 on a social media agency. Like once that money runs out, you have nowhere to go. So you need to really self-educate and be able to do some of this stuff by yourself at the beginning. And I actually think that's really healthy because when you bring on team members and start hiring, then you know exactly how to do every job in the business and you can teach Mm -hmm. other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. So one question that I do have, and I I think that it's, um, it's, it's like kind of an inspiring question. So from when you had your, your big idea and you decided that you were going to start until today how have things changed? Are they, have they changed? Are they better than what you expected or has it been like, is this how you pictured everything? I would definitely say it's way better than I expected. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, You know, I think I started out the brand thinking, you know, I'm just going to make these circle scarves with these snaps. They're going to be versatile. I'm going to have a website. It's just going to kind of run on its own. I had this idea, I think in my mind that I would be like, a digital nomad and I just yeah. be like traveling the world, just having these cardigans and it would be like super turnkey. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that idea, but I also think that I don't know if that would have made me happy necessarily. I think I just thought it would. Um, so now the way things are, it's completely different. Like I have 15 employees, like we have a studio space in Toronto. Um, we have almost over 40 products in our line. Um, Pre COVID we did lots of events and pop-ups and we're doing our own retail So it's just a completely different mind shift. But what's not different, I think, is the fact that like, I feel really good about the work that I'm doing. And I think that's one thing for me is just noticing, because I'm a big goal getter, I love setting goals, but I'm also a perfectionist. And 
for anyone who's like that, you know, the goals are never met because you're always moving like the goalposts. Yeah. So (laughs) for me, it's like, I I really needed to tune more into the feelings that I wanted to cultivate in my life through the work that I was doing and connect it more with my purpose. And definitely Mm. the way I've been able to do that has exceeded my expectations for sure. Yeah, that's, that's really important. I think what you just said about, you know, your purpose and making sure that it's in alignment. And I also think like being able to start a business, no matter what it is, and it be in alignment with your values and your goals and what you want for your life, but also being able to pour back out into the world, whether that's, you know, in giving, depending, you know, if you're able to give charities or your, or the products that you make or, or the services that you do pour into other people um, in some way, I think that is, that's also part of that whole ripple effect, you know, and it's, it's, I I can't describe it. It's like, you, like you said, you can feel really good about getting up every single day and knowing, you know, the day ahead and what, what's, going to come and then laying your head down at night, feeling really good about the work that you did that day. I, you know, I think there's something to be said about working with purpose. And I, I also think that's a, a huge reason why a lot of people do want to leave the corporate world, right. And, and go after mm-hmm. that kind of lifestyle. It's not, I don't think it's always about, you know, the digital nomad life and, bringing in all this money every single month. That's, you know, a lot of people speak to that in the marketing, especially in the coaching industry, but I think it, it goes a lot deeper than that. I mean, a lot, a lot of times those sort of things that are clickbait and it's to grab the attention because I mean, we all have to have money to survive, right? Nobody wants to struggle, but if you were to get down deeper into it, the purpose of why somebody wants this, um, it goes a lot deeper. And I think having that purpose is really what sets people apart from those that are going to succeed and those that are not, because if you don't have, if you don't feel that this is that you're getting purpose from what you're doing, you're, that's when you give up, you know, that's when it's it's like, well, it's not working, you know, today I didn't make any money or today was really hard. So I'm going to give up and I think that, like I said, that's what separates people from those that are going to make it and those that don't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, entrepreneurship, although like it would seemingly seem like it was like, oh, you have this product idea and it grows and now it's all great and we're fine. <laughs> um, it's it's definitely more of like, you know, a winding path for sure. Oh, and there's yeah. ups and downs, <laughs> even as you know, in like the day or the week or the month. So um, having that kind of North Star and that guiding light is incredibly important because otherwise you'll just spend that time questioning why why are you doing this yeah. why why didn't I get a salary you know what I mean yeah um, where is so my income coming from this yeah exactly so it's important to have that deeply rooted mission I think because it will help you stay focused and stay on course with what you're doing no matter what you're selling or product wise or service wise yeah if you could give anyone just starting out one piece of advice what would it be I would definitely say to start small. I love that advice for both product and service-based businesses because I think for product-based businesses, it really makes sense to start mm-hmm. out with like a small collection of products because then yeah. not all your money is tied up in inventory and you can actually invest in marketing and acquiring customers, which is really important. Um, and then for service-based businesses, if you start 
you know, you launch like 10 courses off the bat, you haven't really learned enough about your clients yet. So if you can start small by maybe just doing some one-on-one coaching and starting to learn about your clients' challenges, um, you can develop more, more relevant products later on. So I feel like that kind of like that ability to kind of test and learn and assess the product market fit of what you're going to offer is really critical in business. Um, And you can only do that by starting out slow and really measuring your results and refining your offering as you go. I love that. Yeah, that's great advice. And one more question that I have for you is what does design your life mean to you? Design your life means to me the ability to create a life that's aligned with your values and one that you can be proud of and, you know, and feel excited to go to work. Nothing is worse than waking up in the morning and dreading going to the office or working on a project. Like really you want to live a life where you can align with your values, um, be excited for every day and live life to the fullest. Yep. I love that. And I have to agree. I have loved this conversation so much. It's like, these are all things that like, I'm, I try, like when I talk to people every single day on, on my discovery sessions and they're just thinking about getting started, you know, the, a lot of this that we've talked about are things that have come up and, you know, it's, I get people reaching out to me. They know that they want to do something, but they don't really know. They don't know, I guess, the first steps to take and they're a little bit afraid to kind of take those steps. And it could also be with implementation and financially. Um, So I'm excited that, you know, we have this recording, we're going to, you know, it's going to go out on the podcast and all of that. And then um, for people who are want to know more, they want to see your products. They, maybe they even want to see about your coaching. Where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. This conversation has been awesome. Uh, Firstly, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm so glad to connect with you. Um, So you can find me on the web at encircled.co is our brand site. Uh, Braveandboss.com is my coaching site. And you can find us on Instagram at encircled underscore or at Christy Sumer. Love it. And I did take a look at the stuff on your website. Um, Everything looks amazingly comfortable. (laughs) <laughs> yes 1000% that is our number one design value is comfort so oh if you love comfy clothes we got we got you covered for sure heck yeah which is great for people that are working at home right now um you know I I'm like I was talking to someone that works in the cor- corporate world and they're getting ready to go back to the office and they're like I don't even know if I know how to walk in high heels anymore or <laughs> squeeze into a little teeny tiny pencil skirt and so totally. Yeah. I definitely think there's going to be a workwear revolution. Oh my people gosh. Don't want to go back into uncomfortable clothing or uncomfortable totally. pants and stuff like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Yes. But, um, I definitely think, you know, we have a pair of pants called the dressy sweatpant, which is our best selling pant of all time. And those pants have not never sold better uh, this year. So That's we're definitely awesome. in the zone where we're, we're our design genius there's a, for sure. Yep. You heard it here first, ladies. There's a dressy sweatpant out there. Go get it. <laughs> How awesome was that interview, you guys? And just so you know, Christy did send me a pair of those sweatpants. 
and they are absolutely divine. They're amazing. They're so comfortable, and it's just a great way to um, be comfortable, look nice, but but um, still be a little bit relaxed. So I encourage you to go grab a pair if that interests you. If you loved this episode, please subscribe and share it with a fellow coach, a fellow entrepreneur who may need a little bit of inspiration. And if you need help launching your coaching business, I want to invite you to download my Coaching Biz Playbook. This is going to give you the very first steps that you need uh, to learn to have an online business and an online coaching business. So go check that out in the show notes and I will see you on the next episode.